it is truly uh, my joy and honor to be here in this church. Uh, I had the privilege of coming here during the pandemic and ministering the word, um, as uh, was mentioned. But uh, first of all, as I walk in the church, I love, I just love this the whole stained glass and, and, and the beauty of this church. But you guys are so beautiful. Would you just turn to someone next to you and say you're sitting next to an amazing person? <laughs> Come on, as children of God, we are loved by God and we are precious. Amen. Um, I just wanted to say I got uh, you know, touched by the love of God um, as a teenager and everything ch in my life changed because it's such a powerful love it is such a dynamic love that uh, it can't help but uh, compel me to, to just share this love and, and to, to be changed by this love and so 33, about 33 years ago um, my husband and I through many different ways, the Lord led us to come to this beautiful land of Canada, and and it's been our privilege to serve here and to and to be part of this um, city. So, as, uh, let me just start off with um, our scripture, which was read John chapter 18, verse 28 to 40, and then chapter 19, verse 1. Um, just keep in mind that this uh, happens, this incident that's related in this scripture that we read, happens after the, the Last Supper, it was after Judas betrayed Jesus with a kiss, and it was after Peter had denied the Lord. Right? And so now they bring Jesus from Caiaphas, the high priest, to Pilate, who was the governor of Rome. They bring him to the palace. Now there's an obscure little sentence there in, in that verse, in the very first verse that I want us to kind of, I want to draw your attention to that. And it says that, um, let me read that. It's the very first verse, but the second part of it. It says, by now it was early morning and to avoid ceremonial uncleanliness, they did not enter the palace because they wanted to be able to eat the Passover. And as my first point, I just wanted to bring it, want us to recognize the hypocrisy that was there in the hearts of these religious leaders, you know, the high priests and all of the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees who brought Jesus on trial to Pilate. They had already decided that he was guilty. They would, you know, have him killed. But they wanted Rome's cooperation in this. But the interesting thing here is that they did not enter the palace because they were concerned about being becoming defiled or being ceremonially unclean because they had to stay clean for the Passover. And so for the sake of participating in this religious ritual, the Passover, they were very careful that they didn't defile themselves externally. So they didn't enter the palace or the residence of a pagan. And so they stayed outside even, but in their hearts they were murderous. 
in their hearts they wanted Jesus to be killed and they were plotting they were looking for false witnesses and all of that stuff somehow they wanted him out of the way the scripture that says that they were jealous of the large following that Jesus had so there was jealousy there was envy there was strife there was murder in their hearts but externally they were careful not to defile themselves and sometimes i wonder whether there is a pharisee in me whether you know whether there is that tendency to be zealous about the outward stuff sometimes with good intentions because we want to do the right thing but we forget to look inside we forget that the scripture says again and again and again that god does not look as man looks because man looks to the outward but god looks at the heart and we forget that in fact i want to read a scripture for you from um, matthew chapter 23 and uh, and it goes on from 23 but i'm just going to focus on that it says jesus was talking to about um the hypocrisy of the religious leaders he says what to you teachers of the law matthew 23 verse 23 onwards what to you teachers of the law and pharisees you hypocrites you give a tenth of your spices mint dill and cumin but you have neglected the more important matters of the law which is justice mercy and faithfulness you should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former and then he goes on to say about how they are concerned about cleaning the outside of the cup what's the point if the inside is dirty then he gives the analogy of whitewashed tombs which means it looks really good on the outside it looks perfect it's clean and shiny and bright but inside there's no life there's death and decay and that's what jesus was comparing to the people who are concerned about keeping every little dot and tittle of the religious rituals but they did not care because here they would tithe on their on their cumin can you if you if you use cumin i i do curry so we use a lot of spices you know you can see cumin is like this they would they would tithe a tenth of their cumin and their their little you know all of the stuff that they get in their garden or in their farming but he says they forget the greater truths of the law which is mercy and justice and love in fact actually um, you'll find in um, this is an interesting verse in Matthew chapter 9 verse 13 and in chapter 9 Jesus you know is eating with the the tax collectors and sinners and and the religious people have a real issue about that and so they're complaining about it and Jesus says go and learn what this means that i love mercy rather than sacrifice and it's interesting because Jesus doesn't say okay you don't have to do those things that you're doing you know the 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 tithing and and the and the keeping the all the law the good things that the the law talks about the scripture talks about he's saying you don't have to neglect that but you have to remember don't forget the greater things that is of mercy with god mercy always triumphs over judgment with god mercy is a big issue that is why he was merciful to each one of us that's why his mercy the bible says you know his mercy in his mercy he did not treat us as our sins deserve 
And so here the Pharisees were doing this the inside no mercy no no real desire for justice but outside they were keeping all of the right things they were doing they were squeaky clean outside and so I just want us to think about that is it possible that maybe sometimes we can tend to do that moving on to the next point that I wanted to say is it's interesting in verse 32 I believe it is um, they wanted Jesus you know they wanted Pilate to pass the sentence you know and, and have Jesus killed but Pilate was we'll come to Pilate in a bit but Pilate was like maybe you guys deal with him according to your law I don't understand all this I don't know what he's guilty of and then they were like no we can't do this you have to do this you know and th that verse 32 says this took place to fulfill what Jesus had said about the kind of death he was going to die there was a sovereignty of God involved in the fact that these Jewish leaders although they desperately wanted to kill him they didn't do it because if they had killed Jesus the method that they would have used would be stoning him to death but the scripture had already declared and Jesus had said this many times in, in, even in the gospel of John that the type of death that God had planned according to his wisdom and according to his ways was that he would die on a tree on a cross the, and so Jesus had said you know just like Moses lifted up the, the, the snake the pole in which the snake was the son of man must be lifted up several times Jesus said you will understand this that when the son of man is lifted up he will draw all men to him so the context in which he was saying was that he would die a death on the cross because the the scripture says that cursed is everyone who hangs on the tree and Jesus had to become cursed for us you can find that in Galatians chapter 3 verse 13 like and, and also Deuteronomy that talks that anyone who does not keep all of the law is under a curse now no human being on earth can do that where we keep all of the law every bit of it and so then everyone's under a curse because if we, if we can't keep the law we are under a curse that's what the scripture says but Jesus came to fulfill the scripture that says cursed is everyone who dies on a tree and so he dies on the tree he had to die on the tree he had to be lifted up that way so that our the curse that should have been upon us comes on him and he became a curse for us so that we can become the righteousness of God so that the curse is broken off of us so that we can go free hallelujah that's a great thing and then if you look I want us to come to Pilate now Pilate is a very interesting character he's fascinating because he was indecisive he was compromising he was weak he had his one foot here and the other there he, he had some conviction but wouldn't act on that conviction and uh, if you look he asks two questions there's a great dialogue there but I want to pick maybe two questions the first question that Pilate asked was are you the king of the Jews and we see that Jesus kind of tries to avoid that uh, says are you asking this or someone else you know and then 
but Jesus says something. He says, my kingdom is not of this world. Because if it were, my servants would have fought and prevented my arrest. Hopefully, Pilate could have thought more about this, that, okay, if his kingdom is not of this world, because Pilate was very um, familiar with the system, with Caesar being his king and all of that. But he engages in this conversation and then when Jesus says, my kingdom is not of this world, he grabs on that kingdom word and he says, oh, so you are a kingdom. And to which Jesus says, <laughs> Jesus says, um, let me just read that. He says, you are a king. And then, and then he says, you said so. I didn't. You know, it just came out of your mouth. Right? And then Jesus declares, um, we heard that he says, uh, let me read that to you. He says, you say that you are a king. Sorry. You say that I am a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. Everyone who is on the side of truth listens to me. Jesus talked about the, a kingdom and he said it's not of this world and he was saying that I have come for this very reason to testify of the truth. Right? And he says anyone who's on the side of truth listens to me and none of this really was getting into Pilate. In fact, Jesus actually was trying to say that, look, I have come to reveal the truth to you. Anyone who's interested in the truth will listen. And to which we know now, Pilate asks his famous question, which is question number two, right? He says, what is truth? I want to, before I go into what is truth, I want to say something. When, when Pilate said, oh, so you're the king, you're a king. The king of all kings was standing right before him. Right? And when Jesus says, I'm not, my kingdom is not of this world, there was weight behind that because we know that Jesus came from a heavenly kingdom, that he was the king of all kings, that he was the one who governed and reigned in the hearts of men. So it's a different kind of kingdom. In fact, Isaiah says, Isaiah chapter 9, in verse 7, where it talks about, unto us a child was born, a son is given, you know, wonderful counselor. Verse 7 says, and of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. It is an everlasting kingdom. Hebrews says it's an unshakable kingdom. And so we have a king, an, an, an unchanging king and an unshakable kingdom. And if only Pilate had just kind of tuned his heart a little bit towards that, he could have caught hold of it. But the king of kings was right there and he never got it. But the most interesting question is asked, his second question, he says, what is truth? And you saw, the scripture says he asked what is truth and he doesn't wait for an answer. He just walks right out to tell those that are waiting there that, you know, I don't find anything wrong with him. So you see, Pilate was all, almost convicted that this guy is not, Jesus is not guilty according to him, but he was still trying to please the religious leaders 
the Jewish leaders and he was also trying to please Rome. He was trying both ways, didn't want to offend anyone, but when he says what is truth, he had failed completely to see through his dialogue that the truth, the embodiment of truth himself, the very truth himself was standing in front of him. What is truth? was his question. He forgot that Jesus had said, well he may not have heard, but Jesus was the one who had said in John chapter 14 verse 6, we know Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life. No man can come to the Father except through me. Now that's a very difficult scripture for a lot of people. He didn't say I am one of the ways, one of the truths. He didn't say all roads lead to the same place, all rivers lead to the same ocean. He said, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. And continuously Jesus says, in John chapter 6, Jesus says, the words that I speak to you are the truth. John chapter 8, he says, you will know the truth and it is the truth that will set you free. And then again he goes on to say that the spirit of truth will come and will, and will lead you into all truth. So here was Pilate looking for truth but Jesus was right there and he failed to recognize. I wonder if we fail to recognize truth sometimes or are we uncomfortable with the truth? Because it's a bit too much for us. It's too exclusive. And we forget that truth is not negotiable. Truth is not relative. Truth is absolute. Truth is unchanging. The truth is a person. And everything he says is the truth. I want to close with this one thing. We see that Pilate tries to get the crowd to release Jesus instead of Barabbas, but they choose Barabbas. Someone had to die to pay for the sins of the whole world. And democracy is not always right. They choose they chose Barabbas but again the sovereignty of God was there Jesus was meant to die and Pilate has Jesus flogged after that because he wanted to do something he wanted to please the religious leaders okay let me at least flog him make him suffer I'm, I don't even have the time to go into the, the, the details how, how gruesome the flogging was but he wanted him to suffer so that maybe that will appease the religious leaders. I know he's... At least three, four times Pilate says, I don't find him guilty of anything. But he's still playing this game. He could have released Jesus by just declaring by his authority that he was guiltless. But of course the sovereign hand of God was on all of that. But here's the thing. How sad for Pilate that he couldn't make up his mind. He lost his opportunity. But you know the saddest thing about it is that Pilate went down into all of history as the only two people who are mentioned even in the Apostles' Creed. Isn't that interesting? That it's mentioned obviously about Mary, that the Son of God was born of Mary, but also about how Jesus suffered under Pontius Pilate. Forever he will be remembered as the one who couldn't make up his mind, who caused Jesus to suffer. But when, we, when he had this opportunity to stand 
and give the right verdict. He missed it. And sometimes, I want to close with this. I think all of us have that opportunity or at some time in our lives we have Jesus on trial in our hearts. In our own hearts we have to determine where the scales weigh. Is he really the truth? And if he is, how do I respond to that? Because truth always demands a response. It is never enough. If we, if it's never just a mental assent. Truth is more than that. We need to weigh in our own hearts. In, in other words, we judge and see, is God faithful enough? You know, in Hebrews 11, 11, it says, Sarah judged him faithful, the one who had promised. And that is why she was commended for her faith. There are always times when in our hearts we judge God. Can I trust him? Is he trustworthy? The one who suffered and gave his life for me, can I trust him with this little thing? It's huge for me. So that Jesus is always standing trial in our hearts. Are we going to be those that are like one day in and one day out? Like, like Pilate. Yeah, a little bit here and a little bit there. Can't make up our minds. Living in compromise. However it is, I just pray that the Spirit of God will convict us. That Jesus, who is the truth, the one who gave his life, one who died for all, that we may live for his glory, for his, for his purposes. Let us pray. Father, we thank you that you know our hearts. And so, Lord, I pray as we have heard this word, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts. Lord, anything that is in our hearts, show us, Lord, how to get things that are not pleasing to you. Lord, that it could be removed and that mercy could fill that place, O oh God. That we would be those that know how to show mercy because we have received mercy. Help us to remember that mercy is so high in value for you. May we be those that know how to keep the essentials of the law, but also to move in mercy. And Lord, I pray that we will know the truth, we will understand the truth, and that we will walk by the truth. That the one who gave his life for us, that every time we face situations in our lives, that we will give the verdict in our own hearts that Jesus is worthy. That Jesus can be trusted because he's the truth. That God can handle all of our situations. May we give righteous verdicts about God in our own hearts. So Lord, I pray that you will help us to come closer, to draw nearer, and in this season especially, Lord, to know you and to understand you better. And may we be to others what you have been to us. In Jesus' name. Amen. And for reflection questions, 
I have three questions that I would like you to reflect on and as I read in my zeal to do the right thing do I sometimes forget that Jesus says I desire mercy more than sacrifice am I still carrying any guilt shame bondages or curses declare the truth over yourself that you have been set free from every curse because Jesus became a curse for you if I were to give the verdict would I declare Jesus as the truth and if so can I trust him and his word completely in every aspect of my life